Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to Talking Law, a podcast brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, welcome to the second half of our two-part series with Matt Barnett of Bonjoro. In part one, we drilled into the concept of enhancing client relationships through systems and through technology like Bonjoro. We also talked about the connection between having a strong client relationship and being able to prevent legal disputes with clients into the future. Now, in today's episode, we get more specific and go through a seven-point plan into lighting your customers based on a white paper that Matt and his team at Bonjoro put together to help business owners enhance relationships with their clients and customers. So keep listening and we'll get started. Listening to Talking Law, the podcast where business owners just like you discover how to avoid legal landmines and build value using smart legal tips. Join your host, Joanna Oki, as she cuts through the legal jargon and gives you clear and simple actionable legal strategies, which will get you optimal business results. Matt, I saw in your white paper that you have a seven-point plan to create an approach that aligns with your business culture. Maybe uh, I think this, you know, sets out a good action plan for all of the um, listeners here, whether they're using Bonjoro or something else within their organisation to deepen those client relationships. So maybe if you can take us through the seven-point plan that you guys have put in place. This plan is to specifically delight customers. Fabulous. And delight is a term we use for surprising and adding these human touch points when they're not necessarily expected. So the first one is to identify key customer moments. So you're going to have touch points, you know, for instance, first contact, you know, first follow up, when you close a project within the first time, when you move on to the second one. I think with this journey, try and map out all the common touch points with your customers. And you've got to look at which ones make sense to do automated communication and which ones you should be reaching out in person. So for instance, I would always say that first touch point should be in, in person via Bonjour or call, phone call, anything like this. This is a really good point in relation to using something like video in one of those first touch points because quite often we'll build terms and conditions for our clients. So before our clients engage in a business relationship with their clients, you know, they'll be sending terms and conditions. But terms and conditions on their own can look a little bit stark. So it's really nice if you can take both the legal protective elements, so, you know, you're setting up your relationship correctly from a legal perspective, but then you're also adding on top of it these personal elements, like, for example, the Bonjoro welcome video that adds personality and talks about the important elements of what it's like to work with you, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And what's the second element in your seven-point plan? So this comes down to culture, understanding your own business culture and kind of values. So we we phrase it as take time to find, to find your own values. Depending on what those are, this will actually limit and help shape how you talk to customers and when you can talk to them. So if it's, you know, in some legal fields, there might be areas where you, know, you have to come across absolutely professional, but then there's gonna be other touch points where you can take your tie off and, and relax a little bit with the customer. And it's understanding when those are and how you, and not just you, but your team as well can 
I guess, communicate and build relationships with those customers. If we can use a bit of an example here so that we can make this real for our listeners, let's take Aspect Legal as an example. Maybe if you can work me through this process looking at Aspect Legal. So our values here are excellence of service, firstly, secondly, innovation, and third, client care. So they're the three absolute cornerstones of our values within our organisation. So how do you suggest we can use customer delight within this framework of our values. I mean, you've kind of given me the, the easiest ones to work to work with here. Fabulous. <laughs> I think if if those are kind of truly your core, then using different methods to communicate with clients and to go above and beyond with them. Innovation has become a buzzword. When you're a company that actually does innovate and you communicate in different ways, and you know, like like obviously video coming through, I guarantee there's faith people in legal doing this. It just reinforces that massively i mean like i'd say you guys almost have more flexibility because of the innovation side of it it means that you can try out new ways to communicate and your clients should actually expect that yeah and i guess in law it's a fairly low bar to innovation right because <laughs> that's for the competition not a lot of lawyers are highly innovative so <laughs> which is which is which i mean like, like i look at these industries and i think it's amazing because the opportunity to stand out to be frankly honest, is huge. And it's not a massive bar, as you say, you know, a few things and you jump ahead. Brilliant. What about number three? Where do we go to next? Number three is to begin to test some of your ideas at these key customer moments. I think this is an attitude very much embraced by the kind of tech world a lot because it's hugely competitive. We're all trying to build things fast as, as we can. And we get this idea where we test and we test and we test and we test. And so my team will test 10 things a week. And if we throw eight of those in the bin and two of them work out well, that's a great week. It's this attitude of, of you don't need to go and plan everything ahead and have everything in place because it just wastes time. But this idea of if you have ideas which key customer moments will work, just go and try out some new methods of communication, test them out, do it one afternoon on a Friday, don't spend too much time on it. You'll very, very quickly see if it's got legs only if it has legs, go to the next step and dig in a bit deeper and start to refine over time. This actually of, of just testing stuff and trying it out because you never know. And this is the innovation part. The big mindset of innovation is being willing to try things out and fail in little ways, knowing that after 100 tests, you're going to be two, three times better of whatever it is you're trying to do. Yeah. Oh, and I think that's a really good point because a lot of our listeners are entrepreneurs who are used to feeling like they need to get things perfect each time before they push things out to market. And I guess this is such a good point, you know, rather than aiming for perfection and, you know, going for the whole big project, just test little things, you know, incrementally over time and let failure happen, you know, rather than trying to be perfect all the time, I guess, and waiting until everything is perfect. Perfect. And this applies not just to kind of products and stuff, but I think relationships and interesting what you were saying earlier about mistakes being made when people don't communicate. And I, I just, you know, you wonder if with, with relationships, you can kind of test relationships you know, with little little nudges here and there at the beginning that, that might save you 
jumping in feet first, you know, down the line and making mistakes. That's a really great point. Yeah. And look, anything that you're doing in this sense of testing, I guess, is helping in any event to think about ways to deepen the relationships with your clients. So what are examples here of someone, say, for example, who might jump on and try Bonjoro out? What's an example of the sorts of things that they can be testing, that a business can be testing along the way? Each of their Fridays in the in the 10 minutes that they're allocating to testing as you've suggested. Yeah, so so one thing they should absolutely do is 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 not just test Bonjoro. We are a communication method. Try out a few more as well before I go into going Bonjoro itself. Like like try different things. Bonjoro can be one of your tests. Now, when you use it, you might want to use it with a few new leads that come in, you might want to use it with a few existing clients, you might try out different team members. You will find some of you are you know, much easier on video and uh, more natural. Others might not enjoy it. There's definitely personality types that work with this. Try them, you know, in the office versus when you're getting a coffee. Yeah, like, like test these things. But like, don't just, you know, jump on Jura and try that. Try that out for sure. But think what else you can do. Like if you've never used SMS before in you know, any kind of meaningful way, give that a go. If you've never, you know, interacted on, on different social channels, try that. If you've never, you know, tried sending little postcards for it. I mean, there's all these different things you can do that are just unexpected and some will work and some won't. And every business is different. And every customer is different. Find the ones that repeatedly work well for you, but don't invest too much time and money and effort to get that answer. I guess implicit in what you're talking about here is that a business allocates some time for testing and thinking in this area. Because, you know, businesses, people in business are busy, right? We're all busy. There's a million things to do. And the idea of testing new approaches will, if a time is not allocated, a regular time allocated for the concept of thinking and testing, then it just won't happen because it will keep falling to the bottom of the list. So so I think I hear in part of what you're saying here, set out your 10 minutes, a small period of time on a particular day of the week regularly, you know, then that makes this whole concept of testing and refining a lot easier. Yeah, and there's definitely a cultural thing here as well. So you know, think about us with teams. So I think empowering your team members to be allowed to test things you know, maybe lowering that bar, allowing them to fail and be okay about it, which can be scary for some of us. But again, if they're small tests, it, you know, it shouldn't be anything too impactful. And if you, if you, if you can empower your team, you know, if, you, if you've got 10 minds instead of one, you're going to find that, that those things that work 10 times faster. Yeah, absolutely. So then where do we move to next? What's number four in your uh, seven point plan? So share your successes internally. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. So where you do have successes with clients and with customers, everyone on the team should, should share these out. If you are at the stage of using something like Slack or an internal communication tool, we actually really suggest putting up an entire channel where any of the team can post back any wonderful feedback from any customer at, at any time. And then other team members can ask, oh, how, how did that happen? How did you get there? What did you do? And when you put this out, again, it comes back to empower, empowering employees. It, it comes back to sharing. It comes back to celebration as well and then it ensures that when good ideas are done they can be propagated and repeated that's a great idea matt i'm writing this down that's my big takeaway today i think that's a really good idea internal communication about what's really working so number five is and then this is kind of a long-term thing is is to continue to to refine these activities so as a team discuss 
what has worked and know that you know we talk about perfection you can get close to it but it doesn't it doesn't happen on that first point it happens on you know many 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 iterations and so when you find something that works dig deeper test again test something slightly different and then keep keep going down and over months and months you will get these little nuggets that come out that are absolutely genius but they are never an overnight success you know nothing's an overnight success it's all about iterations so apply that to the way that you you know discover and do things that delight customers and then i guess implicit in that once again is that you are allocating time so you're allocating importance to the concept of refining these ideas so once again testing i guess testing and measuring absolutely and where are we going next matt so next is to measure so the one thing with this whole term we call customer delights is like everything you do in business you should measure everything <laughs> like we're massive fans of that and this includes the kind of intangible so customer delight can be seen as being something quite fluffy it has an absolute roi on business and that roi comes in you know higher lifetime values of customers it means like customers staying with you longer spending more money it absolutely does work now but measuring this can be hard so one of the things is if you haven't tried it like one of the places to start is is nps it's very well understood um so these are net promoter scores very simply Surveys that go out to your users that say, how likely would you be to recommend this to another person? And you'll get us, you know, there'll either be a, a positive score, a kind of middle average, which is not counted, or, or, a detr- or a detractor. Out of those, when you've built enough of them, then you start to get back a score. And, you know, you'll find the telcos in the world generally have negative scores because uh, <laughs> service is, is awful. Other brands, I mean, I'll, I'll go back to announce it here. I think, I think smash it, you know, at 60 to 70% or more. If, you know, you're getting above 70. It's amazing. If you're below that, the good thing is there's massive room to improve. And the good thing here is that you can measure it over time. And, you know, if someone's going to want to refer you, this is the whole advocacy and word of mouth. And if you do things to delight customers and to provide excellence and service, it's one of the quickest ways to get people talking about you and wanting to spread the word. And so your NPS will actually rise over time. And then, you know, depending on how or kind of where you get to, you can over time measure the lifetime value of your average customer and see if that starts to rise. You can measure the average spend. And so just try and put numbers to these efforts you do or try and find something you can measure to know if it's working and then to share internally the impact it's having on the actual business. And that will then drive everyone to try more. Well, it's fascinating that you raise this actually because we've always been really focused on customer surveys and trying to keep close to how our customers are feeling about our services and our service provision. But we just right now about like literally in three minutes time are about to send out an NPS survey to <laughs> our, our entire database. So there you go. It's it's really good timing. And, and I think one of the brilliant things about NPS as opposed to just more generic or in-house created surveys like the one that we have used up to date is that MPS is great in terms of allowing you to benchmark more easily. Exactly. Yeah. So, and, and I think that's really the, you know, when it's it's tried and tested. So big advocates of MPS, although we don't know what our score is, so we'll see. We'll report back on 
<laughs> on that. But, but you know, I, I think it's a really good point. If you're doing things, then watch the NPS or, or whatever your other measures are internally for how you work out whether you are, in fact, delighting your customers, whether the investments that you're making of time and, and perhaps also money are having any impact. I remember just if you do do NPS, one kind of pro tip is when you do get back your advocates, those who measure very highly, perfect time to get back and ask for a testimonial. Yeah, yeah. Or ask yeah. them to then act on that. Because most of your most of your advocates, you know, I think only 30% of advocates maximum will ever actually talk about you and bring you business. Not because they don't mean to, they just don't think about it. So when you get an advocate that comes to NPS, you just go back to them and say, hey, thanks so much for the high school. Would you mind doing a testimonial? And they'll go, absolutely. Great. That's a really good tip. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> Pro tip there. Good work. I'm taking notes. <laughs> well, did we get to the end of the seven points or have we got a last one? Not another one. Just one more. One more. And this, <laughs> is, this is the most important is have fun at this. I love it. And when, you know, you do get customers like, like revel in it, um, enjoy it. It's, it's, it's immensely satisfying when you have customers come back and, you know, and, and, and they say, you know, not, not only is the product and the service, you know, and the consulting and everything else, outstanding but the support and the culture and the team and the communication is amazing too you know enjoy your moment when that comes in that that, that, that's yours and you deserve it and again share it out again enjoy this have fun don't take it too seriously if you're having fun it will be infectious and your customers will pick it up as well I love that, Matt, and you do that so well. I've seen, um, I've seen the bear outfit <laughs> uh, that you guys adopt, and I guess that's your approach to fun. Is that right? Yeah, like, like we try, like we're trying to change the way that a business brand can be. I think we're at one extreme end of the spectrum. We don't expect others to go this to this kind of length, but what we want to show is that again, the whole world of business and consumer are coming close together. And just because we're wearing suits and ties underneath that, it doesn't mean that we're not all going to be out on the beach and surfing or. Or, or having a few beers on the weekend and, and being the humans that we are. Yeah. So we're just trying to, you know, show that you can push those boundaries and that business is, is, is changing, absolutely. And look, we've almost run out of time on this episode, but I just really want to briefly cover, I saw uh, when we started talking, you were wearing the 1% top and, you, you know, I think we've got some values that, you know, really align. Can can you talk about what the 1% is and, and how Bonjoro approaches this concept of giving as part of a community? Yeah, so so the one percent pledge was a uh, was something started by uh, Atlassian, who you all know, and Salesforce as well. And many years ago, they decided to put one percent of their company into a fund, so that if they ever sold, they would have some money to go and do good within the world. They then went a step further and they started giving away one percent of profit and one percent of products and one percent of employee time. Uh, was doing good. Wow. Now that started to grow, especially in recent years. Uh, we picked it up quite a while ago. We've come kind of being one of the spokespeople here in in um in Sydney. And so what we do is, is we do exactly that. You know, we put one percent of the equity away, so that you know when we go and IPO one day, you know, when the last in IPO, they had a sixty million dollar fund, and they've gone and basically tackled I think female education in the Philippines, and they've gone after one thing, and they're, and they're and they're doing it and changing it. It's amazing. But, you know, the other thing is just, you know, giving products to social causes, giving employee time. So, you know, five days a year, your employees get to go and work on causes that they want to work on, or you get together as a team and, you know, and help a company um, or a fund do something good. Um, giving away profits as well to support things. 
And I think that the most important thing here to remember is this is not something to do when you make $100 million. Yeah. And it's so easy to fall into that trap. And especially with younger founders, you know, more than anything, you know, when you're in your, your kind of 20s and stuff, you should be starting for small roots. And it might not feel like you have a huge impact, but the point is it then becomes part of your culture. It becomes part of what everyone does. It becomes part of what's expected. And when you do get to, you know, if you can, a Salesforce's size, I think Salesforce was saying that they had 35,000 charities that they support. Wow, that's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> it's, more, it's more customers than we have. <laughs> it's amazing, yeah? It's just such a good point. My personal belief about the world is that generally people are very generous, you know, and they want to give and support and feel like they're making a difference. But people don't often, don't always know how. And business is busy, right? It's really busy. And it, sometimes it can be really hard to work out easily what to do in an easy way. So, I think this 1% pledge, you know, I, I think in our notes, we'll, we'll absolutely link to Matt and Bonjoro, but let's all also perhaps throw in a link, Matt, I, I presume the 1% pledge has something that we can link to. Um, so we'll link to this in our notes. And if you want to find out more, then head over to the link that we'll put in there to the 1% pledge, because this doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to take a lot of time, but it, it's about just doing something, even if it's not a lot, I think just just getting started. Yeah, both Atlassian and Salesforce do a lot of events here in not just Sydney, but the other, the other cities as well that you can go along to and you can hear about it. And they do a, just an outstanding job of bringing other companies into it. They really are championing it. So go along to one of those, find out a bit more about it. And you'll meet some amazing people who are doing the same thing as well. That's a really good bonus tip here. I love it, Matt. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. I think this has been really important information for businesses to really maybe reflect on. It's hard to reflect when you're listening to a podcast, but there's some really simple action points that you can take from this. If you want to find out about Bonjoro a little bit more, which I'm absolutely an advocate of, it's um, I, I think it's a fabulous software program. I mean, that's why I have Matt here today, because I think the approach of Bonjoro is something that, you know, is a really important yet easy step for businesses to make. So we'll put some links in our show notes through to Bonjoro and you can go in and try Bonjoro out in your own organisation. And if you're interested in the 1% pledge, we'll also link there too. So thank you, Matt. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks. Wonderful to be here. Great. Thanks. And that ends today's episode and our two-part series with Matt Barnett of Bonjoro. As a quick recap, today Matt walked us through the seven-point plan to customer delight. The seven points are identifying key customer moments, understanding your own business culture and values, testing new ideas, sharing your successes internally, continuing to refine these activities, and finally measuring and having fun. I like that last one. <laughs> If you want to test out Bonjoro for your business, then please head over to our show notes at www.talkinglaw.com.au and look out for this episode. There we have a very special link that gives you a 30-day free trial with Bonjoro, but that's not all. If you continue with a paid Bonjoro plan, then Bonjoro and Aspect Legal have combined to contribute 30% of your membership fee to providing access to clean water for villagers in Cambodia by funding the building of 
pull pump wells. So by using the Bonjoro software to deepen your client relationship experience, you'll also be providing Cambodian villagers the ability to irrigate gardens or create fish ponds, improve their food supply and their health and create the opportunity for income for them from the sale of excess provisions. That really is a true win-win-win or win for your business, for your customers and for the villagers in Cambodia. So once again, if you want to be part of this special program, just head on over to our show notes to find your link. Well, that's a wrap for us for today. As always, if you enjoyed what you heard, then please subscribe to Talking Law on your favourite podcast player. And thanks again for listening in. This has been Joanna Oki and Talking Law, a podcast brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Talking Law. Tune in next time for more smart legal tips and tricks to keep you clear of those legal landmines. If you want to get a download of today's show notes, head over to talkinglaw.com.au. Information in this podcast is general in nature, not legal advice. If you want advice for your business, visit talkinglaw.com.au.